The following is a message by Sean Taylor, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. Morning again, my family. It's good to be able to preach the word to you. We're going to be continuing on our sermon series that we're doing. We've been looking at Colossians, and the series is called Christ Over Everything. And as Joel said this morning, we want to remind you guys that we are a family. So I don't want, especially parents today, to think about this as no Grace Kids Day. Oh, no. The thing is, again, we're a family. So what that looks like sometimes, as a family, we get to sit under the word. And so that's what we're going to do together. And so Grace Kids, look at me, Grace Kids. We want to he- I want you guys to help your parents to focus. So if you see your parents or another adult not focusing, you're going to remind them and say, here's that. Ah, here's that. So if you don't see them listening, you just say, here's that. All right, good. Open your Bibles with me to Colossians 1. We're going to be looking at verses 5, the second part, to the end. So 5b to verse 8. All right. So it says, Of this you have heard before, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love. In the spirit. Lord, I pray that the entrance of your word will bring light and understanding to us this morning. Amen. So, my father, he is a photographer. And from time to time, he wants to call my attention to some of the pictures that he's taken. I mean, he does the run-of-the-mill stuff. So, he, he would do weddings and he'll do events. But this his baby. His little pet project would be to take pictures of waterfalls. He wants to discover all the treasures that are on the island. This is one of his favorites over there. But one of the things I've noticed, most of these waterfalls I've never seen in my life. I've never seen them or noticed them. For me, it's Duns River, Reach Falls, that's about it. But he's, he's able to find all of these things. But regardless of where they are, there's no doubt that they are a spectacle. I mean, this spectacle of nature that we call waterfalls, it didn't just happen all of a sudden. Let me give you a little geography lesson. It, it, it is formed over time through constant exposure to the river. Those who are doing PEP will be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but... As the river flows over a layer of hard rock, and then oh, that the rock is over soft rock, the process of erosion begins, right? For those from GSAT and common entrance day, you remember that? 
And as the river flows over those areas, over time, the soft rock starts to run away, ultimately causing it to get steeper and steeper. And then that's how we get a waterfall over time. The process, it takes time. The process, it's very constant. As the water continues to shape the riverbed, this formation, this transformation that starts to happen is very beautiful. And it really results in people coming to our country just to see it and enjoy it. Listen, as we get to look at this particular passage in Colossians, Paul wants to remind them of something that caused their own transformation. Its source is actually from something they're very familiar with. But they're probably in danger of taking it for granted. Paul makes them know that this source is a gospel. He wants them to be aware of its power and how by extension, if they receive it, as, as they've received it in the past and at present, the impact that is going to make. And if they pay attention, this will continue to be the path to their very own maturity. Now and for the future. So today, if you want to think of the big idea, the idea is that the gospel continually transforms those who pay attention to it. The gospel continually transforms those who pay attention to it. So we're going to look at two points. The first point is going to be the gospel's work of transforming. That's going to be in verses 5 to 6. And then our work of responding. The gospel work of transforming. Our work of responding. So you can look at it with me. When verse 5b at the beginning, the gospel's work of transforming. And the passage starts with a very interesting phrase. Of this. Of this. Right, what is this, this that Paul is talking about? If you were here last week, again, you're going to get a prize, as Joel said. But um, last week, Sheldon, he looked at verses 3 up to 5. And he was pointing out how Paul is a man filled with gratitude. He's filled with gratitude for the work that God is doing in the lives of the Colossians. Um, Paul has heard of the believers and he's heard of the evidence of Christian life. And he highlights that by the faith in Christ and the love for each other, there's fruit, right? And then he makes the point that much of that is fueled by their heavenly hope. So when you look at verse 5, it says this hope, right? So coming off there, this hope which results in the faith in Christ and love for the saints, it has a source. So, of this, it came from this message that they heard before. And what's that message? Look at it. It says, the word of God in truth. The gospel. That's the source. The word of God in truth. And that's a very important statement that Paul needs to make to them. Because, as Joel would have the week before mentioned the context that Paul didn't meet the Colossians. He heard about them through him brethren Apaphras, who is actually from Colossae himself. And as you read in the rest of the chapter, you're going to realize that Paul kind of wants to warn them of certain things. 
especially in chapter 2, you, you, you hear him saying, I need you to look out. Look out for certain ideas and philosophies that are not according to Christ. That's said in chapter 2, verse 8. And then he says, listen, look out for certain ideas of mysticism, talking about certain spiritual elements and certain human traditions. And then he even goes as far to warn them about legalism. That's kind of holding on to certain practices instead of holding fast to Christ the head. So, again, this word of God in truth is important to say to them. Because he wants them to say, listen, I don't know what you've been hearing. But the message that you received from before, that's the truth. You know, are there places that you're looking in now to find truth? Answers to your life, perspectives, and certain situations. God wants to get your attention to see there is a source of truth, right? And what does Paul call it? The word of God in truth, the gospel. You see, the word the gospel or good news is actually not a word that Christians made up. It's not a word that Christians made up. The gospel is actually a phrase that they would use in the Roman times. This is a phrase that they would use especially for their parades. They would have these extravagant processions whenever they want a victory. So they will have these gospel parades when Rome defeats the enemy. They'll have this big parade to celebrate. We won. We are the big guys. They lost. This is our gospel parade. So that is what the gospel really came from. That phrase. They had a victory over enemy. We're going to celebrate that. So Paul kind of steals or borrows. We'll use the word borrows. So Paul borrows that phrase and says, listen, I want to tell you about a grander victory. You know, while Paul doesn't if, if, elaborate about that in this section, for the rest of the chapter, for the rest of the book, he makes it clear that this is indeed a victory parade. A victory where people who are once alienated and hostile in our minds, that's what verses 21 says, are able to stand before a holy God. And because of Christ's death, they can be presented above reproach to this king. A, a victory parade where he has delivered his people from the dominion of darkness and transferred them into his kingdom. I said in verse 13, a victory parade, one where his people now get to share in his inheritance. He says that in verse 12, a victory parade where the message of a king, Jesus, who has created all things, Everything was created for him and in him and through him. One where we get to celebrate how God himself has rescued and renewed creation through Jesus on behalf of his people. This is what the gospel means. This is what the good news is about. And Paul presses into this work of the gospel when he says at the beginning of verse 6, you can look at it. It says, this gospel which has come to you. I don't want you to miss that part. Which has come to you. We didn't come first, family. 
It is God who first reached out and saved us by his mighty power. You see, this is why verse 6, Paul refers to the gospel in a different way. He says, the grace of God in truth. The gospel is gracious. Because it came first to a people who didn't deserve it. And he gives those very people some great things. Things that they don't deserve. This gospel is indeed gracious because it is both unasked for and it is unmerited. It's unasked for and it is unmerited. And so this whole transforming message that Paul talks about, it first reaches out to the, to, to the Colossians and then Paul extends that and says, and, and not just to you, it, this gospel has come Indeed, in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. So this is where we see the first point, that the gospel is at work. It's transforming work because the gospel is bearing fruit, not just in the Colossians, but all over the world. And, and just to understand, when Paul is talking about all over the world, he really wants to give them a big picture. You know, and after all, Paul knows this very well. This is the very mandate that you're going to see in Acts 1.8 where Jesus comes and tells his apostles to preach the good news from Jerusalem all to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth and eventually Paul is going to take that mandate himself. And it's because of that very mandate as well that Epaphras himself, he's going to receive that message through Paul during his three-year ministry in Ephesus. You see that in Acts 19. And now they are beneficiaries of that mission to the whole world. So again, Paul wants to give that big picture. I want you to be aware that, listen, things happening, not just in your life, it's happening all over the world. God is changing lives all over the world. So even when you hear Joel share about, hey, we want to pray for these guys in Sydney. Um, they're planting a church. and you, God is doing things all over the world. We get excited when we hear that. We get that big picture. You see that same faith and that love that you're seeing. Guys, that, that the things that we're seeing, it's happening in countless amounts of souls all over the world. How? How is that happening? Through the same message you heard. Guys, it's through this gospel. The gospel is getting work done. It is the only seed that can be planted anywhere in the world and bear fruit. You see, we have a tendency, you know, just like the Colossians, to drift. We drift from the gospel. Because, you know, sometimes you wonder to yourself, I'm not real. There must be a bit more to this. It can't just be the gospel. You know what I need? I need a different perspective. I need some extra spirituality. I need to probably learn about some angels. You know what I need? I need my prayer life to get better. I need to get into some prayer shawl stuff. I need, you know what I need to do? I think what I need for growth, I need to observe some of the days. And I need to go back to the Jewish roots. I mean, we, we have a tendency to add a lot of the list. To this thing. And, and I realize. I have a question for you. Do you have some gospel confidence? 
when you hear about difficult situations in somebody's life, do you, do you, are you confident enough to know that the gospel can actually speak to that issue? Or do you say to yourself, I think they need much more than these basics. Again, like, like the Colossians, you and me, listen, what we do when we think like that, we're in danger of communicating that simply that Jesus, what he did is not enough. That is what we're in danger of doing. But listen, the gospel is powerful enough to change everything. Why? Because Christ is over everything. That's, that's why we, we call the message at Christ over everything. He's powerful enough to change everything because he's over everything. The gospel is effective to reach and transform, listen, every race, every social class, every culture, every age. We have a tool that makes a huge difference. I want to read a quote from a guy named, well, a professor, Christopher Little. This name, he says, the church is capable of doing any number of good things for the world. For example, it's a good thing to teach people to read and write, to provide clean water for people, to feed the hunger and clothe the naked, and to care for God's earth. But the fact is the world can also do all these good things and actually does them. Yet, it is only the church that has been called by God to do what is best for the world. Since the world is incapable of doing that for itself. Namely, preaching the gospel. Accordingly, we cannot afford to sacrifice what is best on the altar of what is good. You know, as, as a local church, listen, we want to do good things. As we see needs around us, as we see the needs in Cayman as estates, we recognize that doing those things is simply a display of the gospel. But we also want to be very deliberate about growing in our ability to wisely declare the gospel. Because only the good news of Jesus has the power to transform. That's the reality. So again, Paul makes it clear that the gospel is working, it's transforming lives, it's resulting in people who are bearing fruit, fruits of the faith, fruits of love. And then he says, listen, the gospel is not just for the start of the Christian faith. Because he says it, it is, it, it bore fruit, but it is bearing fruit. It's not just for the start of your Christian faith. It's the constant fuel you need for your faith. It just doesn't help you to bear fruit in the past, but continues into the future. And so that's why even here at Grace Family Church, you're going to hear us use words like, we want to be gospel-centered. We want to be gospel-centered. It, it, it is actually a principle that really informs all the practices that we have. Because what we recognize is that we never graduate from the gospel. We simply move deeper into it. Move deeper into it over time. And so, let's look back at the text in verse 6. Since the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and it's growing in our lives, everything we do has to do with the gospel. How you think about God. How you think about humanity. 
how you think about Jamaica, how you thinking about the politics situation, how you thinking about worship at church, sure, but how, how you think about your relationships, um, how you think about shopping, how you think about recreation, how you think about work, how you think about your personality and certain traits that you have and this person and that person. Listen, the gospel affects everything. And so Paul almost wants to look at the Colossians and look at us and say, listen, guys, you, you want to think about transformation? You want to think about growth? Don't look anywhere else. Guys, don't look anywhere else. The gospel is sufficient. It's all we need for life and godliness. And so we're going to transition then to the second point, verses 6 to 8. Our work of responding. Paul says it, the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing. So let's read the rest of verse 6. It says, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. You see, in, in this section, Paul kind of describes their response, their interaction with the gospel in three ways. Um, Sheldon helps me with some of these acronyms. We're going to call it HOT. HOT. In three ways. Through their hearing, through their understanding, and through their teaching. So, how did they respond? Through their hearing, understanding, and their teaching. Yes. So yes, it's like getting your attention. Hot. That's a football, American football reference for those who don't get that. So this is the response. The gospel is powerful. It's getting work done. But the truth is a response is needed. I mean, even as you look outside, look at all of that wind behind you. You know, one of the things people point out that in Jamaica... We really could benefit from this resource. And because of our hilly terrain, because of the elevation, we could get energy from the wind. But here's the thing. You can't benefit from the wind unless you interact with it. Right? Unless you put up some wind turbines to capture that energy. If those receptors are not put up, there's no way you're going to get energy. In a similar way, Paul wants to echo this reasoning to the Colossians. Because he says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel has power, right? It's the power to save people. But like those wind turbines that allow you to benefit from the energy, he calls us to put up gospel receptors. Receptors that will seek to hear understand, and teach the gospel. This is how one commentator puts it. He says, God does not put his saving power into operation by some automatic or magic process, which bypasses the consciousness of his recipients. God's grace operates through the divinely appointed means. So again, think hot. You know, there is fruit bearing occurring since the day that people heard it. From the day they heard the message. Paul reminds us somewhere else in Romans 10, 17. 
faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So our receptor, one of the things we do is we hear. Question to you. Are you regularly listening to the gospel? Are you surrounding yourself with people who will give you truths of the gospel? And challenge you to evaluate your situations in light of it? That's our work. Fruit did not come about by the hearing alone though. It says it. But their understanding of the gospel. You see the, the, the word in the original language moves further than thinking about mental assent. So it's not simply hearing words and say, oh, okay, cool. It's an intentional application. Another translation puts it this way. Since the day you heard it and truly knew the grace of God in truth. I mean, it's similar to the parable of the sower. If you remember it, Jesus gives a parable of seed falling on good soil. And what's unique about that good soil, you know it's good because it produces fruit, but not only produces fruit, does it increasingly. And what is unique about that soil, he explains that those who hear and understand, that's what the good soil is. So again, it's, it's hearing and understanding. Listen, it's all well and good for you to know how a parachute works and how a plane works. But listen, when the rubber hits the road and that plane stall and you hear the and it's heading down, you have to move from, oh yeah, you know, that's how parachutes work. It will save you. No, no, no. You pick up the parachute, you bust open the door, you jump and you trust that it works. That is what the understanding that Paul has in mind. An understanding where you respond to the knowledge that you have. And so again, the the gospel is powerful. The gospel does work specifically to those who hear and understand. You know, so as the gospel saves you, this is one of the truths you have to realize. If it has saved you, it will change you. If it has saved you, it will change you as you come to understand its implications. You know, like a person who realized that they just inherited a huge fortune. It, I mean, if you hear, if someone, if you got a call and say, hey, you know, I just want to tell you, I had an uncle from Timbuktu that left um, one billion US dollar for you. It changes things very quickly for you. You start to respond differently some of us would be bad and decide we're not going to work again um but right away you start to think differently you start to act differently the the understanding causes a certain response and in a similar way as we continue to dig deeper into the treasures of the gospel our lives are revolutionized and they are transformed So, again, truths. What, what could truths do to you? Maybe as you reflect on the fact that, listen, Christ was the one who pursued you. Even when you're running away from him. That, that could probably cause you to realize, you know what? I need to extend grace then and forgiveness to my spouse who did me wrong and all know them now apologize. You know, a truth of the gospel where you say, All right, you know, because I know that I've been given what I don't deserve. I can serve this picnic who don't show no gratitude. 
because the truth of the gospel says something to you. Listen, God has adopted you and made you a part of his family. You start to say, you know what? I need to greet people in a welcoming and a warm way. Because you realize, yo, listen, the Lord know your name. Him know you. Him seek to know you. You can go to school and you realize, hey, there's a new kid here. And maybe I should introduce myself to him and say, hey, what's your name? The gospel can affect everything. So, again, we see the gospel does work as we hear, as we understand. Fruit also happens as they were taught the gospel. Transition where, again, Paul makes it very clear here. Paul is not responsible for the church that has come about. It is that responsibility or, or the credit will go to Epaphras. And in verse 7 to 8, it says, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. You see, Epaphras, he's not no big apostle. You know, we, we hear about him again in chapter 4. Um, beyond that, he's not one of the popular guys. He's someone that has been impacted by the truth. He took it back to his hometown and they benefit. And Romans 10, 4 reminds us of something. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Listen, God's grace comes through the hands and the mouths of his people. This passage reminds us of the importance of sitting under gospel-centered preaching for sure. Um, it's, it's possible that, here's a question, is it possible that the reason you're not growing in your walk is because you're not sitting under gospel-centered teaching? Is it possible that your growth that you want to see is not coming because you're not engaging with teaching that wants to dig you deeper into the gospel? So a passage like this also challenges us where it says, we probably need to cultivate an environment where we are teaching, but then not only that, where we are teachable. Where we are willing to teach others, but we are teachable. And he said, don't get it twisted. This don't apply to pastors alone. God certainly put pastors here for a reason. They are to equip the body, but to equip them for works of service. And so even here, it, if you look outside on the banner we have on our DNA, one of them is to declare the gospel. And, and in here, we, this is what we want. We, we want to be a people who can fluently speak the gospel to all in simple and compelling ways. Oftentimes, we shrink back from gospel decoration because, honestly, we're well aware of our own weaknesses, our own failings. But here's the thing. Epaphras is described like this. He is a faithful minister. The thing is, we're not called to be faultless. We're called to be faithful. You know, Mark Dever has this quote where he says, you can have gospel influence and amazingly make a gospel impact in people's lives. Oh wait, making a gospel impact in people's lives doesn't come only through your strength, but also through your weakness. God does this so that his power would be displayed through our weakness and he will receive all the glory. Listen, it's needy and broken people that are most needed for a broken world. 
people who are aware of their own brokenness and their sin. Who are daily experiencing the fruitful power of the gospel in their lives. Knowing that it's not because of their power. But because of the potent work of God through the gospel. And sometimes it's the simplest thing. It's the simplest thing you can do. Next time when you're at, at work and you're with somebody. Just sit down and ask them a question. Hey, tell me what's the highlight of your day? what has been especially hard for you in your day? Because listen, as you sit and listen to them, you're going to start to hear things come up. You're going to get to hear their affections. You're going to get to hear their desires, their thoughts, their emotions. And it's there that God will bring opportunity for you to bring the truths of the gospel to bear in their lives. It's simply asking them what's going on and listening to see how you can apply the truths of the gospel. And so again, here we get to see divine sovereignty and our responsibility all at work together. As God is at work, we are empowered to work. As we faithfully preach and declare the gospel, God opens an underst- the understanding of the hearers. This passage reminds us that when God's gospel is planted and cultivated, It produces a lasting and increasing crop. The verse ends in 8 and says, he wants to remind them that the Spirit's love is another fruit of the harvest. Apropos has been able to testify of their love in the Spirit. This is a love that no mere human love can compare. It strands in a way, it strands from this gospel When people who treat you how they want, however they want, sometimes this is how our love can be. Boy, if they treat me good, I'm going to treat them good. But this love comes straight from the heart. It's another fruit that they are seeing in the lives of the Colossians. And it's a sign that the gospel is truly at work in us. Again, it says, the gospel, the gospel. This is the only thing that's going to produce fruit. It's the only thing that's going to produce increasing fruit in your life. I want to say to you, if you've never laid hold of this gospel, I encourage you to respond to the God who first reached out to you. If you find you're not holding to the gospel, no, I encourage you to do the same. You know, you've probably heard the gospel before. Um, but maybe today, if you know that understanding part is coming in, I encourage you after the service, you can talk to any of us. We'd love to speak to you. But again, if you are a believer, God desires to continue his work of transformation in your life. Again, remember, here's the big idea. The gospel continually transforms those who give attention to it. The source is Christ. And the tool is the gospel. So may we lay hold by paying attention, by hot, by hearing, understanding, and teaching it to ourselves and those around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your powerful gospel. It is effective. It does much. I pray, God, that as we, by your spirit, will take hold of it, that we will see fruit. As we seek to be people who are transformed into your image. I pray God that 
as we hold on to your truth or your gospel, will see its effect in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just listened to a message by Sean Taylor, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.